0: every team, every topic, everywhere this is believe.
1: Good evening, Razorback fans. We want to welcome you to the one the only Hog Talk podcast live from the Electrical Supply Guys studios. We are part of the Believe and Buzz Radio Networks, and you can hear us on all podcast platforms. Also on the TuneIn app on the Believe TuneIn Radio, and as well as Buzz2106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like, rate, and review all of our podcasts. I'm your host, Porter Hayes, of Sports and Culture Arkansas. Alongside me is Jacob Davis from Arkansas Fighting and Saturday Down South. And we're presented by Arkansas Brewing Company and Bet Online and where you can find all your betting aspects and bet online where the game begins. Um, no football for Arkansas this past week. We got to catch up on some other games. Look at Auburn. They had a bye week. Is also coming into the game next Saturday. So uh, I guess with both teams, Jacob, coming off a bye in the same week, th- there's really no advantage either team has. Um, you know, Arkansas coming off that win... Going into the bye week, uh, much needed, um, much needed win against Auburn. I mean, not much luck against them. So uh, you know what happened with, with the the fumble. That was not a fumble, and I'm sure that still resonates with Arkansas. And last year, Bonex of course, having the the game of his life, or game of his career against Arkansas. So uh, getting back on the winning track to really get them a better bowl game, get them. Uh, back to, you know, on the winning track in the SEC. So uh, what what did you get to do over the weekend on your bye weekend? And uh, what what's looking forward to this Auburn week?
0: Yeah, man. So we went to the Pumpkin Patch at Family Farm in Malvern, had a good time and took a lot of pictures. Let Sophie do uh, her first thing by herself. She rode a train. She's a one-year-old, just turned one two weeks ago. And she rode, uh, it wasn't really a train, but she got to ride on a, uh, uh, it was a John Deere, riding lawnmower and it had like a bunch of benches attached to it and chained Sophie in there pretty good. And, uh, we were freaking out as parents around the, around the pond. And then the first time she sees us, she's over there like, Hey, Hey, So (laughs) you're you're thinking, okay. So it's it's not too bad of a deal. So I wasn't now, now from now on, I'm thinking maybe she is all right. Maybe she can be a little bit independent now, uh, than what she was, which is really cool. Well, that's so, that's yeah. what happens
1: with the first child. You always freak out a yeah. little bit more, you know, and going oh, yeah. through and letting oh, yeah. them grow up. But, yeah, that that's oh, yeah. always the, the best thing about being a parent and watching your child grow up. And the where she's at now, I'm telling you just from experience, this is where you're going to learn something new every day, between one and two. They're going to start doing yeah. new things every day that's going to really, really amaze you.
0: Oh yeah! So we watched a little bit of football this weekend, uh, man. I tweeted out uh, last night. Uh, Mississippi State had not scored an offensive touchdown in Tuscaloosa, from, uh, and it almost didn't happen. They they almost were shut out again in Tuscaloosa offensively, and, and I got a kick out of that. I got a kick out of Jimbo Fisher squandering another game uh, against a uh, in, uh, in intra league school, uh, man, South Carolina. They're looking a lot better. They're, I think, them in Oregon. Like you, you think that the way Georgia just handled them, they would go on and just spiral out of control. And both teams are undefeated since their losses against uh, Georgia earlier this season. So, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting uh, Saturday, interesting week coming forward, uh, especially for Arkansas. Can they pick up the uh, all elusive? victory this weekend against Auburn, a, a team that you haven't beaten six consecutive seasons. You currently trail them in the series overall, 19 to 11, and you're getting beat by an average of 29 points over the last six games. So this could be the opportunity that Arkansas has to go on the road, pick up a win in, in league play, and continue on throughout the season, building your resume in hopes of getting a New Year's Day bowl.
1: Yeah, and we go back to that Mississippi State game. I mean, we kind of knew the way that uh, the Alabama-Tennessee game ha- ended. Um, if you look, and then that that kick was blocked. You know, yeah. Bama got a piece of it, and it still went through. And everybody was like, "Alabama's not going to lose two in a row." And I will tell you no. what, for the people that come out and say that Saban's done and they're losing their grip, and I fed into that. I've been caught up in it myself, but. You you know good and well that Saban's not gonna lose two in a row. I don't know when the last time they have. Um I'd have you'd have to go back a ways where they've lost two games in a row. But I'm I mean, we've seen it. I mean what the best Mississippi State team can offer, but when you're going into Tuscaloosa and that defense, it's a lot different when you're playing a real defense opposed to, you know, a defense that's struggling and the secondary issues that Arkansas has. But um, then South Carolina how they've you know as I was talking to a guy from South Carolina you, you kind of think that South Carolina wishes they'd be playing Arkansas right now instead of earlier in the season because in Arkansas side thankful that they played them early in the season oh, because yeah. I'm telling you right Absolutely. now it, it might be a different outcome if Arkansas and South Carolina play right now and it, as bad as I even want to even say that it, it's true just how well they're playing and Listen, that just shows you what happens when you get that momentum. When, when a team gets that momentum and that belief and you start playing for your coach and your state and your school, anything can happen. And they, and I will say, though, too, I mean, the game over Texas a was good. That was the first time they've ever beat Texas a in program history. I mean, that just shows you where they've come. But they've also got the back end of their schedule, kind of like Arkansas's, is where it's a little bit, And LSU is another team that you're looking at like what we two weeks ago thought that this was going to be a back-end, easier part of the schedule. It's kind of looking different now.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. LSU, man. How about that? I don't understand how you don't put LSU in front of Ole Miss and those rankings are at least maybe 13, 14 or 15, 16 because, man, LSU just opened up a can on them. That Jaden Daniels guy, he saw it. I tweeted that out. and. Uh, early in that game, and people gave me flack. But that guy, he is a gamer. He may not be the best quarterback that you have out there, but Brian Kelly's doing a heck of a job at LSU uh, getting guys in the right spot. It didn't get off to a good start early, and I'll be honest with you. I didn't think uh, – I thought Brian Kelly might have been in over his head week one when they lost to Florida State, but they have rebounded, and they look really, really dangerous. The defense is starting to go to the ball. I mean, they're attacking the deep, attacking defense then you got Joe Fouché and and Greg Brooks at former Razorbacks out there making plays that one hand interception by Joe Pouche was just beautiful um man that that LSU game in Fayetteville is going to be a interesting looking game especially with how Arkansas struggles to stop the run at times and the way Jaden Daniels made Mississippi look really like i mean he was running through them like like Swiss cheese out there, man. I mean, there was holes through through that whole defense uh, for Jaden to run through. He had five touchdowns. So, yeah, Arkansas, man, they may have their hands full. And I know KJ is licking his chops when the Ole Miss comes to Fayetteville because Ole Miss is not physical. They they showed us that, yeah, they had a weak schedule. And, yeah, they were 7-0, but it was a weak 7-0 going into that game. So, yeah, Arkansas has got a lot uh, on that back end of the schedule. And you're just hoping now, man, if they can just come out 6-6, six and six, we'll be all right.
1: Yeah, because you look at Liberty. <laughs> I mean, taking care of BYU the way they do. I mean, that's another game. And David says Liberty and LSU are the toughest games left. I mean, I would say, yeah. other than the Auburn game and the Missouri game, I mean, because I mean, Missouri kind of showed their cards and scape and by Vandy. You know, they looked like they were a team that was trying to turn things around and get some minimum going. But, you know, it, it just – Boy, but Liberty's going to be coming in here in a couple of weeks, and uh, you see the resemblance of what happened with Missouri State, and you're like, oh, man, you know, it's not going to be that easy of a game.
0: Yeah, and Liberty's on their fourth-string quarterback, too, which is crazy to think that Hugh Freeze is putting up those kind of numbers with a quarterback that he didn't ever intend to start the season. He had Charlie Brewer hurt in the first game, that former Baylor transfer up there at Liberty, so – yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I think uh, Liberty's going to be able to put up points. I think it's going to be another uh, Arkansas-BYU type of offensive track meet, at least through three quarters. Arkansas's got the size, though, and I think the most important thing this week, Porter, is Arkansas was able to get healthy. Yeah. We already know that We already know that Bumper wasn't healthy. Maybe Drew wasn't playing at 100%. You've got a bunch of secondary guys coming back this week. If you get healthy and you start getting that momentum, you go down there to Auburn uh, and you take care of business, things kind of change. Your momentum swings back to you. And these guys haven't quit on Sam Pittman. They showed that last week against BYU, uh, especially with the way they finished that game uh, where they didn't allow a point uh, on defense in the second half and only had like – or not, I mean, not second half, the fourth quarter and allowed only like 54 yards of offense like – I know it's a, a small sample size, but you're you're hopeful that if you can stop the run game against Auburn, you're going to be able to stay in this game and maybe can control uh, the line of scrimmage because you're going to have to stop Tank Bigsby. You're going to have to stop uh, Auburn's quarterback. Uh, his name is uh, slipping out of Ashford or something like that, Robbie Ashford. Uh, he's really he's a quick cat too. So. If you can stop the run game against Auburn, you're you're going to have a chance to be successful and win that game.
1: Yeah, and you, and you got to because the thing is is you're going into these ballots offenses Auburn coming up. You know, last last week or last time out they had against Ole Miss, Robbie Ashford had 140 yards passing, two interceptions. Bigsby had 179 yards on 20 carries. So you you look at what's going on with these teams; they are playing. And Liberty the same way. So, you know, when you look at the score and you're like, okay, that looks alarming. But both of these games, Liberty's win over BYU, they took advantage of the running game. They yeah. Day hunter, had 213 yards on 23 carries, but only had a one touchdown. And Bennett had 247. So these two games coming up is going to really test this defense because of how balanced they are. And we know – you know, Big Tank Bigsby is, is the bread and butter of the Auburn's team. So, both of these offenses coming up, basically if you make them one-dimensional, and that goes to any game. You know, any that Arkansas can make a team one-dimensional, they have a very good chance of winning. But you go back to the Mississippi State game, and you let the guy go running for a long – you know, get as many rushing yards as they do with, you know, Will Rogers in the passing – it's hard to stop both. So you got to make them one dimensional really key on the, the running attack of Auburn and can and I don't say you could stop him, but you can contain him to, you know, maybe hold him under a hundred and fifty yards in a, in a touchdown. So yeah. that's what we're really looking forward to when and of course, you know, what we haven't heard much of is and I think it's just the style of offensive you've played is when you're trying to drop You know, rush three, drop eight, but I think this is where we need to see Bumper Pull and Drew Sanders get back on track. We need to hear their names more in the in the in the tackle column, you know, and hear their names more because you really hadn't heard much of them past two weeks.
0: No, you you haven't been. Uh, You're going to have to hear Chris Paul's name. Uh, He's a number twenty-seven. He's a stout creature. I mean, I've not seen a linebacker as physical looking as him and. In a long time, uh, maybe maybe since 2014, 2015, with, uh, especially with, like, Martial Spain, who had a tremendous uh, last season as a hawk. I mean, he he looked good. Chris Paul, I think if you can maybe pull out Drew, rotate Drew and Bumper out, have Chris Paul, Poopall out there, uh, and give them as many breaks as possible, I think you're going to have a chance there to really, really do some things in the 4-2 look. Because uh, you're going to have to stop the run game. I think you're gonna you're gonna have everybody healthy. I mean, Cam Ball really emerged last week against BYU, a guy that can really stop the run. Um, and then you have your pass rush to uh, trying to control the gap, stay in your lane, and hopefully you float the ball runner uh, into uh, the ball carrier into your hands, kind of kind of dictate where he goes, kind of like the old Rob Smith defense. Uh, with the Bermuda Triangle, with uh, Darius Milan, Trey Flowers, and Marshall Spate, they kind of they knew what was going on before the snaps, and they adjusted and made the flow of the play go to that defensive side. And that's what I want to see a little bit more out of Barry Odom, because you know they're going to run heavy at Auburn. And so maybe trying to dictate what Auburn does each play and, and direct them to the linebacker and, and or either Bumper or Drew on each side, see if you can stop them there
1: yeah you know because the past two games you know they've only averaged you know three tackles each uh, uh, game so really getting your you know because that's your captains and you know they're a run heavy game so it's going to be what what is you talk about barry odom what does he do now kind of getting back when into the running game is you know not the the blitzing and the blitz packages and the blitz schemes and the coverage you know how do you really bring your safeties up getting into the run coverage and make them pass make them beat you deep and so, that's going to be the biggest key when it comes to, you know, when we look at the key matchups of the game. It's going to be Arkansas's linebackers versus the running game. And see, honestly, and then on the other side of it, how is Arkansas going to – their run game going to go up against Auburn's defense and see how, you know, well Auburn can stop the run.
0: Yeah. And Auburn allowed three 100-yard rushers the week before last against Ole Miss. Don't don't forget about that. Yeah. I mean, they had uh, Jackson Dart. Uh, and their two running backs rushed for like over almost four hundred yards a couple of weeks ago in that game. So Arkansas they have they have Rocket Sanders unleashed the guy. You, and I love what they did and I know we mentioned it in the last podcast. I love what they were doing with the AJ Green and Shaw and DeVinny and getting those guys out in space. Not just trying to run between the tackles but spread out the Auburn defense. And and the way uh, get the speed out there and get a little shake and bake, man. I think uh, Arkansas's got a chance there on the outsides to make a difference, and have Rocket Sanders maybe kind of, kind of, you know, do what he does, get his. He's, if you can, if, if Rocket Rocket's always going to get his, but if you can get AJ Green and Devinian in the game and do their thing, you're going to have success on the offensive side. And plus, maybe get Dominique Johnson continue to get him in there, give him a couple of carries, maybe in goal line situations or third and short situations and try to get him in there, get his confidence up. And I think Arkansas is going to have a good chance. I mean, and keep KJ healthy too. Don't let him <laughs> run the ball too much uh, and, and, or do too much anything outside the pocket.
1: Yeah, when you look at you know, Auburn's last three games, I mean, you see that, I mean, LSU even had 185 yards rushing on him, But then you go to the next game against Georgia. They had 292 yards rushing against Auburn. So, you, you're really going to treat this almost like the BYU game. And, and you're going right. to really have to impose your will. get And, and you're looking at the last game with uh, Ole Miss, and you know that they had four guys that went over 100 yards. And you're like, man, we got KJ. We got Rocket Sanders. We got Debinion, I mean, you got Green. You got all these guys that now also – you got the guys that can come out of the backfield and catch. So when you know yeah. as a defense you're struggling on the run game, you know that Arkansas is a run first offense. This is where those those screen plays, this is where those you know the wheel routes can come in and and really the slants. When you got your linebackers cheating up on the run, this could be another huge game for Trey Knox. You know, coming out of the tight end position. So. I think this is gonna be this could be a big game for Arkansas where it really opens up their offense because you look at just how much Auburn is struggling and but then again this could turn into a shootout. This could turn into yeah. which which defense is gonna bend not break and who's gonna score, you know, I mean I know it comes down to uh whoever has the most points, but I mean it could turn into an offensive shootout.
0: Well the way this season is gone for Brian Harson. And at Auburn, but you got to think about it. Be a lame duck coach, because I mean, outside of, I mean, outside of the Auburn brass, I mean, nobody knows what's going to happen to Brian Horson after the season. He could stay. I mean, but it's usually historically, when you don't have an athletic director, you don't have a head coach. <laughs> and yeah. Right now, Brian Horson's on borrowed time because you don't. You hardly ever see a coach last at the end of the season without an athletic director in uh, there. So. So, are they going to be playing for Harson? Uh, what is the mindset of, of this Auburn team? Nobody knows. And I think once, if Arkansas goes out there and punches them in the mouth a couple of times, how are they going to respond there on the Auburn defense?
1: Yeah, and they're sitting at three and four right now. So, you know, after this, you, the Arkansas, the, then you've got, they got Mississippi State, Texas A&M, uh, Western Kentucky before the, the Iron Bowl. So, I mean, you come out of this game against Arkansas and you drop down to three and five. You lose against Mississippi State, you're three and six, possibly three and seven after the – I mean, they could lose three in a row depending on how this – so this is – when we talk about pivotal games, this is just as pivotal to Arkansas as it is Auburn. You know, I think it's going to be more for Auburn because the coaching talk that we speak of. This could be the game that could just spiral everything downhill – and even if they were to beat Alabama, it's not enough to save his job. You know, you can't tell me that they be three and seven or four and seven if they beat Western Kentucky going into the Iron Bowl, and if they do beat Alabama, if because we've seen crazy things happen in that game, I don't think that's going to be enough to save his job. So no, he could have
0: beat him. He could have beat him last year. Yeah, I don't think he would have saved his job. That's just that's just the honest goodness truth is, you know, he they do. It was not a match made in heaven by any any point. Uh, Brian horson has been—I don't think he's been in over his head. I just think it's been a unhealthy relationship from the get-go. Yeah, it's not. Been, I mean, we've heard about it for two seasons now. I mean, he just not—he did not fit the culture, and if if. If Auburn gets their way, they got that Yellowwood money, man. <laughs> they're they're going to find them a coach. <laughs> they're going to find them a coach.
1: Well, there's and, been a uh, lot of oh, bad man, things. Oh, wow. They don't know how to handle the money, though. There's been a lot of story. Yeah. Look at all the money they got in buyouts and trying to find the newest. and it's. You can tell they have the little brother syndrome because it's almost like we want to be where Bama is. Let's try to get the newest, hottest thing to try to catch up when you know that's never going to be a possibility. There's no school out there that's ever going to match with Alabama, and I understand the position Auburn's in because you're that's your biggest rival. You know that's your in-state, yeah. that's who you look up to that you want to be as a football program, and you have to live with that 365 days out of the year. Um, but it's just the track record ever since Gus left has just been one of them things. It's almost like an Arkansas situation that you, the, they had a good thing going with him, but he just kind of ran out of time there. Um, and I'm telling you what, that this is what I've always thought, and I'm glad that he did beat Alabama when he did because I think that if Gus didn't beat Alabama the year he did, he was going to be the head coach of the University of Arkansas. I think it was in writing. I think it was it was almost a done deal. He beats Alabama, and then – Auburn counters. That that's just my opinion on it. I'm sure there's a lot of people who probably disagree with me, but I just think that him beating Alabama got us to the point of where Arkansas is now, and we got Sam Pittman.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think uh, the whole thing with that that was a messy ordeal because you you cannot sit there and wait on a coach to go out there because we saw how it how it ended with the uh, we thought we were getting Chris Beard when uh, at Texas Tech. We were waiting and waiting and waiting on him to lose at Texas Tech before they made yep. it to the national championship game, and he ended up staying at Texas Tech. Honestly, you get Eric Musselman, and, and you're thinking, huh, Chris Beard, who? Like, yep. I, you cannot sit there and sit there and wait for a coach to lose a championship game because I mean, obviously, it's so funny because Arkansas and Auburn kind of have had a same kind of coaching uh, dysfunction there for a while. I mean, they didn't want Gus, and they did. They didn't want Gus, and they did. And uh, Gus was probably the only guy that was going to keep Auburn going for a while. They uh, they weren't down, man. It means they were six and freaking four the year they fired him. And so, so I I, I thought that was a kind of a premature firing. I think uh, you should never fire Gus. But man, I wish I, I go back thinking now, like maybe Arkansas was a was blessed without having to hire Gus Malzahn. Because Gus had the benefit of recruiting the state of Atlanta, the state of Florida, Alabama, he had such a uh, fruitful territory when it came to recruiting that his offensive philosophy wasn't hampered down by the guys that he was able to get. He wasn't going to come into the University of Arkansas and be able to have the success at the university because Arkansas does not produce the amount of talent. I mean, I know that. I mean, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but Arkansas does not – they only produce like maybe five to six FBS, SEC-level caliber players every single year. I don't think Gus would – I think Arkansas would be in the same place they, they're they at with uh, Sam Pittman right now. And you're paying – you'd be paying a lot more money for Gus Malzahn than you would be for Sam Pittman.
1: Yeah, I mean, because they already had it. Was it, 40, was it 49 million they had – there was talks of – of him get
0: like seven yeah it was like seven point5 million dollars a year for seven yeah. years you're right so that's the figures we heard and
1: i think he would have turned out almost like a, a a mike anderson deal i think he would have been a seven and five coach a six and six coach or maybe maybe got an eight eight and five eight and four season you know one of them kind of deals of just he might have had one hot year and then kind of slowly went back down but I don't. I don't think he would have got to the point because the thing is, what Sam Pittman and bringing in the coordinators. I don't know what coordinators would have Gus brought in. I mean, that that's the thing that you don't know when it comes to hiring a coach. Is we always talk about the head coach, but you got to look at who, what, what would he, who would he brought in? Like who would have been his assistants and his coordinators? And right. you look at what Sam Pittman's done and his coordinators, and as much as flack as they get. Like we said last week, you know, there wasn't really too many people talking about what they did when they opened up the offense. So hopefully, like I said, this is going to be another monkey they can get off their back. They can really get back into the grind. I think the BYU game is going to be more important of a win than we can realize. And I think when it comes down to the end of the year, we're going to look back at that BYU win just like the UAPB, (laughs) as crazy as that is to even say. I mean, getting a win before a bye week, and getting them guys healthy, and getting you know, and not just getting them healthy, but they don't have a game to worry about. You know, they can really focus on getting healthy. You know, they're not trying to get them back just so they can get them healthy for the upcoming game. They got a week off to really get a hundred percent or as close as you could get to hundred percent at this point. And and Sam Pittman alluded to that and all the players that were. Not healthy and banged up, so there's a lot of guys that are out there that he hasn't even mentioned by name. That we could see a totally different team come Saturday against Auburn because the fact that who is banged up that we're not even we don't even know about.
0: We know the secondary is all banged up because they were starting or they're trying to get guys in practice, uh, they were freshman wide receivers coming in, so man, you get. It hopefully you get Corey Johnson and Jaden Johnson, Miles Slusher, and all those guys back. And maybe the defense, the complexion of the defense changes because you're not going to have to worry about having guys get beat defensively over and over and over again. You're going to be able to finally have a – finally have your starters back and maybe a sense of normalcy and not giving up so many yards through the air.
1: Yeah. And <clears throat> before we hit the break, too, uh, just – one, one last thing before we go to break, we're, we're going to cover the basketball. It's just coming into this again at Auburn, this getting a road win I think is going to really benefit their confidence. I think that's, that, that's the biggest thing coming into the game is getting your health, you know, your yeah. physical health. I think coming in and getting this win on the road is going to be a mental boost and that confidence of knowing – you know, we went to BYU, got the win there, week off. Now we're going up against, and that's the thing people's been saying. Well, that's not a – it was always an excuse. It's always yeah. somebody wanting to downplay it. Well, well, that was BYU. Now you're going to be playing an SEC team. You're going to be playing an SEC defense again. So I think it's like as much as people want to discredit the win, this is going to be very important for them to go into the Plains, into Jordan-Hare, and get this win.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people uh, before the season that said, man, that BYU game scares me. Yep. There's no, I mean, that, to, to, to go to your point there, you uh, you can't go and say, oh, that game scares me before the season, and then you get in there, and now you're seeing, oh, they're just four and three coming in. Now they're four and four and, and fighting for their bowl-eligibility lives after getting blown out for, by Liberty. So, I mean, there there's always ways that the teams respond. I mean, there's some teams that can be uber talented and then go eight and four. Like, yeah. you see it all the time. Like, it all comes down to coaching. And I think Arkansas has got the coaching. I think they're going to be – they had their momentum back. And and I think they're going to be able to go down to Auburn and pick up a victory and, and kind of shush the doubters.
1: Yeah. And, well, like I said, we're going to touch more on that Wednesday on our weekly preview show. We're going to have an Auburn beat writer come on, and we'll announce that. In the upcoming days, but we're going to head to a commercial break. After the break, we're going to break down basketball. We'll start their unofficial unofficial start exhibition um, tomorrow night, we'll break down that after the break. You need those pesky stumps ground before the winter. Your pasture brush hog or need your driveway bladed. Here at Grind It Ride Outdoor Services, we offer more than just stump grinding. We have recently expanded our business to include tractor work as well. So along with stump grinding, we offer bush hogging, land clearing, grading driveways, placing, and even spreading gravel. We are locally owned and operated. So call Danny today for a free quote at 205-377-2662 or 479-530-1641. Again, that is 205-377-2662 or 479-530-1641.
0: McCoy Tiger Drug Store of Sheridan, Arkansas, has been the top pharmacy in all of South Central Arkansas since 1895. They were also the 2020 Good Neighbor Pharmacy of the Year. They not only fix you up with your prescription with timely and friendly service, but also an elite gift shop. All your OTC needs, baby and wedding registries, tuxedo rentals, and much more. They're located at 821 North Rock Street in Sheridan. Give them a call today at 870-942-5121.
1: Camelot Exteriors specializes in identifying hail, wind, and other storm damage, as well as residential and commercial roof installations and re-roofing. We use the, only the highest quality materials from certified suppliers while putting a lifetime labor warranty on all of our roofs. Our mission is to provide our customers with the highest quality roofing project customized to fit each one of their needs, and to provide exceptional service through the entire process. Camelot Exteriors is based in Norman, Oklahoma, but we proudly currently serve nine other states as a premier nationwide roofing company. So call us today at 833-799-7663 for your free estimate. Camelot Exteriors, your storm damage restoration expert.
0: Shelby Taylor Trucking serves all your timberland needs in South Central Arkansas. With over 50 years in the industry, Shelby Taylor Trucking has established themselves as trustworthy leaders in the industry. From planting to harvesting to hauling your timber, Shelby Taylor Trucking is ready to serve you. Follow them on all social media platforms at Shelby Taylor Trucking. Learn more by visiting their website at staylortrucking.com. That's trucking.
1: If you want the best service and prices in Northwest Arkansas and Southwest Missouri for all your plumbing and electrical needs, then look no further than Corey Hyman, the plumbing electrical supply guy. Corey's in full steam ahead and providing the best electrical plumbing and septic supply service around. So call Corey at 479-301-8220 or email him at c hindman that's H-I-N-D-M-A-N, at andersonp.com. Again, that is 479-301-8220. And welcome back to the Hog Talk podcast. Jacob, I mean, I'll tell you what, um, for one of the most anticipated uh, basketball seasons to date, uh, we haven't really spent much time talking about them because right in the middle of uh, football season. But um, And it's crazy how fast this year has flown by, but it's, it, it's here. I mean, tomorrow night against Rogers State, Arkansas men's basketball kicks off there. I guess you could say the next two is exhibition. So they got Roger State and then Texas um, down in uh, Austin. So uh, very excited to see what this team does. And there's a lot of hype. I don't think that um, when it comes to the basketball, it's, it, it's almost like it's been building up. So what what do you think the difference is? as someone who's been a fan all their life, what do you think the difference is between this buildup of of, of Eric Musselman and what he's done with this team, opposed to this is just not a flash in the pan, but say the team hadn't had that much success, and then they get this recruiting class.
0: Yeah. So you think about it going back then. I'm going to swing this a different way. Back in the day, in the 90s, 80s, and the 70s, It was barbershop, coffee shop, talk at your local diner, talk about how good this team's going to be. We're going to talk about Moncrief, Ryan Brewer, and and then we're going to talk about the Todd Days and and Big O's of the world. And now with social media, like we saw it with the football program and how people were pumped up. Like this is going to be the year things come together for Arkansas. You've got all these transfers in football. And now, I mean – that that to me is kind of how this is going. This is uh, becoming because Arkansas they've got you, you've been leading up to this, and this is the expectation that Musselman set for himself, especially in year one because he had he played six freaking guys that season with the with the leader of Mason Jones, and then when Isaiah Joe went down, all you all the only offensive player you had to depend on that was consistent was Mason. And, and you continue to build. You sign your first uh, McDonald's under, All-American under Musselman and Moses Moody. And you get all those guys. And you were hot. You're thinking, okay, this team's going to be special. Then COVID hits. Uh, and then Isaiah Joe backs out and goes to the draft again. And you're thinking, okay, this team's still going to be good. Now it's just building up with, the, with how crazy Arkansas Twitter is. Like people are just at the – hoping this team is going to be the one because you got three potential lottery picks on this team, on this roster, and then you you cherry-pick the best players from several different schools, and then you bolster from where you had just Jalen Williams, who was your defensive stalwart down low, and then you bring in four guys that could play really uh, key minutes down low in in the post. Arkansas has got a complete team this season, Porter, and I'm really excited to see – what they can do with Nick Smith running this offense, because we know we know that Anthony Black's going to be the uh, the point guard, and he's going to get his with assist wise, steal wise, and, and be a difference maker. But Nick Smith, man, he could be potentially be the best player to ever come out of the University of Arkansas and be the first Razorback ever drafted number one. He's that good. Like, there's no. I mean, you think about it. You think about the guys like Corliss Williamson and. And uh, how great he was coming out of high school, like Nick Smith is just as good at the guard position. And I think that the way Eric Musselman and his basketball team markets it on social media, now you got to back it up.
1: Yeah, that that's definitely. I mean, when back it up. When you're the National Freshman of the Year, I mean, there's a lot yeah. of you know hype that just comes freshman. in. There's a lot of right. hype. That goes into this, and this is a school that's never experienced this. So there's nothing that, you know, Musselman's ever done. So this is new for the team, and this is where it's going to get interesting is there's, there's nobody to help coach like, hey, man, how do we handle this? How do we handle this hype? How do you handle the freshman of the year coming in? How do you handle all the SEC accolades? How do you handle the expectations of you better be undefeated by the time conference season rolls around? I mean, there's going to be all – I mean, this is the thing. Like, you know, they got Texas, which is going to be an exhibition game. And then they um, – you've got North Dakota State, Fordham, South Dakota State. And then you've got the Maui Invitational. you got Louisville, Texas Tech, and Creighton. I mean, those are going to be some tough games. So when you come out of that, by, let's say by, by the time Thanksgiving rolls around, I mean – what's going to be the expectations of this team, where their record's going to be at, where they should be, and what happens if they're not? I mean, what happens, that's what's really going to make this team, we're we're going to show their growth is, ah, yeah, if you come out of this 14-0 or whatever, you start the season 14-0. Okay, that's where we expected you. That's the height. That's where you should be. But what's going to happen is, when this team faces that adversity, when they drop that two game losing streak or lose that game that they shouldn't have lost, and you know, then the questions and happen to answer the questions and or Nick Smith Jr. comes into his first couple of games and and, and doesn't score the points that you think he should score, that's what's gonna make this team grow. And if this yeah. team goes undefeated, hey, that's cool, but that's what you're gonna see out of this team is Let's see what happens after they hit that first two-game losing streak, if that happens, and that's where you're going to see where this team grows.
0: Yeah, and you think about the 10-year under muscle. He overachieved with the Mason-Jones roster his first year. He he did what we thought he would do with the limitations of COVID. Uh, His second season with Moses Moody and – and, uh, and so all the other guys there. And then he overachieved last year, believe it or not. Whether we want to admit it or not, he overachieved with that roster. Because, yeah, you had Jalen Williams out there who got drafted, but you had J.D. Notay carrying that offense last year, and you had guys that Trey Wade, like, waited like 25 games for him, and then come NCAA tournament time, you have Devo there, Trey Wade there. He gets the most out of the guys whenever – Whenever uh, it's time to to get the uh, hit the rubber reach the road, you know they lost against Western Kentucky in year one. They that was an unexpected loss. Uh, they they had like where they what they get blown out by Tennessee, LSU, and Alabama in year two, and you're thinking, man, this team maybe they're not as good. And then last year they they lost a freaking Hofstra, yeah.
1: They,
0: and and you're thinking, man, this team's not going to do anything. They're not even going to make the NCAA tournament. Lo and behold, they were in the Elite Eight, and the SEC wasn't even talking about them on their own network. So now this year, you know those expectations because everybody, like you said, everybody's looking at you like, yeah, you're you're expected maybe to go undefeated through non-conference play. And what's going to happen is if you do lose those couple of games, where's your team's mind going to be at too? Because, you know, with the high expectations comes, uh, from, from fans and, and people in the, in the national media, where is your head at? Like, are, is this team going to be able to, to uh, respond the way that his other three teams have?
1: So do you think this is a Sweet 16 or Bust year or even Elite 8? or I mean, would you even go that far as saying this is an Elite 8 or Bust type team?
0: I think it's a Sweet 16 or Bust. Just because you look at the preseason rankings and you're bringing in the three freshmen and you're bringing in all these new transfers to, I think they at least get to the Sweet 16. Now, do they advance past that? I don't know. But I think that this is the best, uh, the best look of, right now, not looking forward in the future because the recruiting is still hot. But this is a team that Musselman going to have the best chance to win a title at with the, with the Hawks. I mean, just right now, living in the moment, I think that this is the team that if you're going to do it, do it now.
1: Well, yeah, because you don't know how many people on 16. this team is going to leave, go to the NBA. So, yes, you're looking yeah. at this team. Yeah, this, this is going to be – and that's where I think, if you want me to be frank about it, I, I think this is going to be an Elite Eight or Final Four bus type team to me yeah. because you look at what he's done the past two years and what you said about last year's roster – what you have with this year's roster and going into this season, it, it's going to be hard for me to sit there and say that, if okay, I'll, if they don't make it to the Elite Eight, I should say. Final Four is great. But I think if this team gets bounced in the second round or in the Sweet 16, I just think it's going to be a, a deal that it's going to be a, um, a disappointment. Because just with the hype, if there wasn't that much hype around this team or the talent, I mean, you look at this roster. I mean, top to bottom, Black, Council, Brazil, Nick Smith Jr., Devontae, Graham, Pinion, Barry Dunning, Jordan Walsh, the Mitchell Twins, Kamani Johnson, I mean, Darian Ford. I mean, all these guys, you're looking at this roster 10 deep. And that's what's scary about this team is he could legitimately put two groups of five out there and have yeah. a lot of success. And I think what really has stumped them in the last two years is they got out yeah. know, They got out-physicaled by Duke last year and they got out-physicaled by Baylor the year before. I think that's what's going to get them over the top when we're talking about a lead eight or bust is the fact that they're going to have guys that are ready to bang. They're going to have your guards. Nick Smith Jr. is not going to be afraid to go in there and yank on someone. You know, nope. Black, we've seen him. I mean, this kid, freshman six seven, he's going to go in there and poke on people. I mean, that's just what – these kids are not scared. And I'm not saying that anybody last year was scared. I'm not taking away from any of the previous rosters. But you've got multiple guys, and what I'm getting at with these guards and when it goes to the other players, is you're not going to have to rely on just two or three people to get the boards. You're not going to have to rely on two or three guys to get out there and bang underneath. You've got four or five guys that can go in there and with your you got a guard at six seven and Anthony Black that's going to be able to go in there. And and you got another guard, Barry Dunning Jr., six six, Jordan Walsh, six seven. I mean, you have some huge guards that are some of the big, you know, Kamadi Johnson's a 40, 6'7. You've got a two guards that are just as big as he is, so I mean that's what's yeah. going to be the big difference when it comes to this team is you've got size from the one to the five, or if you can even consider anybody a five anymore, say so one to four. But I mean this is going to be a very exciting team to watch,
0: right? And, and you think about it, like here in the past you've had to depend on guys that were smaller. Like the number one overall pick in the NBA draft this year was Banchero. the guy was seven foot one. Arkansas didn't have a uh, a response for that guy last year in the uh, Elite Eight. Like, he was just going up and getting his as much as he wanted to. Um, now you've got the Mitchell twins. You've got uh, Jalen Graham, and you've got uh, – I know I'm missing one more post player, Trevin Brazil. Yeah, Those guys are like 6'9 plus type of guys that can go up there and rebound And And, and if, you have, if you don't have the size, Arkansas is going to overwhelm you with size. That's something Arkansas hasn't ever really had. I don't know. Even back in the uh, Nolan Richardson days, Arkansas didn't have big, big guys at all. Uh, I don't know of any other guys that have really been seven footers beside uh, Stephen Hill in the past uh, twenty years since uh, since the Nolan Richardson days. Like Arkansas not had this much size at all the positions ever, and and that's what's really impressive. Maybe Jalen Tate and Moses Moody's year. I know they were two pretty big guards, but. Arkansas has not had this much size on a team up and down ever in my lifetime. Yeah, well, and
1: that's the thing you bring up. Chuck brings it up, and and he says, this team reminds me of the NOLA teams where you substitute five at a time without losing anything. Um, Good friend of mine, Pat Jenkins, he got to go watch some of the – and he said that during the practices what he has seen, he has not seen the hype or the level of play since those years. And he's been around the program and the teams for a long time. And just the athleticism, and you're talking about iron sharpening iron. These All these guys are practicing against each other, chomping at the bit to go play other teams. And that's the thing. It's either this team's going to – I have a feeling this team's going to shoot out like a cannon ready to play these other teams. And I know it's going to be an exhibition game, but I think tomorrow night it's going to be a dunk fest, and then you're getting to go play Texas and – I guess you could say record book-wise, meaningless game. But I guarantee you, Musselman's going to treat this like it was a Final Four game. And I think they're going to come out and they're going to surprise yeah. some people.
0: I think they'll play a good 20 minutes worth of ball with the starters and then kind of rest all your guys. I think Chris Beard's going to kind of do the same thing, kind of see what you got. That's just me. but. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. at Musselman's head. He want to get the best out of his team. I don't
1: think so. This yeah, is Arkansas, course, Texas, bub. <laughs> yeah, this is Arkansas, Texas. They ain't, it, no, 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 we, no, no. We talked about that
0: last. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that last that, that last week, and you know, as much bad blood, you don't want to go out and just lose in the uh, exhibition season and against uh, your most hated rival in in program history. Like, yeah, tomorrow and, night you're going to get. Hey, yes, yeah, you're. It's going to be. Arkansas could probably score – they could probably name their score and go get it. Like, they could probably spot Roger State a good 50 points uh, for the first half and then go out there and, and, and do their thing. Like, that's the whole thing with Texas, though. If you've got their Aurora, I think it could be a pretty good house full of people down there in Texas. Well, yeah, because they're going to
1: be opening a new stadium.
0: Oh, are they? Yeah, they're
1: going to be opening that. their new arena.
0: So, the hype's there for them, too. Yeah. Oh, well, that's the thing. You know it's Texas.
1: And here's the deal. This is another thing. This is what's going to happen to Arkansas this year. Then this is going to be one of them, another uncharted territories that Arkansas is facing now. They're going to be that target. They're going to be the hunter. You know, everybody's going to want to beat them. Everybody's going to want to, you know, give them their best game because this team has so much hype. Oh, well, this is the freshman of the year. This is the All-American Hasn't even played a game yet, and he's an All-American. They're like, let me show him. That's what's going to happen, and they're going to get everybody. And that's the thing. This is going to be – I'm telling you what, this is going to be one of the most exciting exhibition games in a long time because, you know, you got Texas, like I said, and then you kind of drop off. You get a three – and this is another reason why I'm saying, Roger State, you're going to get a mixture of playing everybody – Texas, I think it's going to be a full out. They're going to be playing the best they can because you've got North Dakota State, Fordham, and South Dakota State to get ready for the Maui Invitational. So, this team is so deep and talented. I think that you're going to have a lot of time before now in conference time to see which five mixes together. And I yeah. think Chuck was talking about earlier when it comes to – you know, not being so crazy about expectations of this team before conference season because we've seen with Mus, it, it takes him a long time, and, and everybody thinks just because this team's got a lot of talent, there's going to be more pressure, but you still got to figure out wh- which five, as talented as they are, mesh together. So that, that could be a bigger problem because you do have the talent. You're going to have 10 guys that want to play just as much as everybody else. So I think this is going to be one of the best but most challenging years because I don't think Musselman's ever had to deal with this much talent before.
0: Never. I mean, you think about the NBA, yeah, he was coach of the year. I think he had a uh, – who was that one guy? Uh, man, I can, I can I can only see his bald head. That's all I can remember. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> yeah, Coach Musselman had uh, – he won coach of the year at Golden State. He didn't have that much talent there. Uh Uh, And then he went to uh, Nevada and he kind of just kind of transformed the basketball program there to a legitimate top 25 program. And now he's never assembled such a great roster of, of individual talent. And, and I think it's going to be interesting because you, you had the number two class coming in and then Duke has the number one class coming in. I want to see what John Shire can do uh, as the new head coach at Duke. I've got a buddy of mine that comes in the store all the time and, we kind of chit chat back, kind of give some, give each other some rubs about uh how good each other teams are gonna be. I really think that you know if Arkansas can get to the Final Four, it could be a replay of the '94 national championship game, uh, d- depending on if if Coach K and John Shire has a clean, uh, a clean transition. I how mean, do you, you how do you feel Carolina. those shoes? <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's and the mean, thing. He, <laughs> and we thought, yeah, we thought that. Uh, uh, the guy at North Carolina having to fill in Roy Williams' shoes yeah, have a rough time. And he won the national championship last mm-hmm. year. Was that year one or year two, yep. Herbert Davis? Herbert Davis, so, yep. Yeah. So, it's going to be an interesting season. I think uh, Arkansas has probably, like, one of the top most talented teams. you got six guys that could possibly be playing in the NBA next year. I mean, you never had that much talent, honestly. You never have. And so, Eric Musselman has so much talent at his disposal that you, you just kind of – I'm nervous about it, too, because, like, I would l- lay in bed uh, 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 awake at night thinking, what do I do with this guy in this certain situation? Uh, that's why he gets paid so many millions of dollars a year to do this thing and be successful.
1: I just, yeah, that's the thing. You, Danielle talks about the pool house a lot. I'm just wondering. There's sometimes that he's sitting there wondering what to do. You just go go on out <laughs> to the pool house for a little bit until you can figure this out, because you know. But I guess you know that's a great problem to have because we've seen what happens so many years with this team, man. We just need one more piece. But exactly like what we've been talking about the last two years, we just need one more piece. We got four of them, you know, five of them, six of them. You know, uh, they have an unlimited amount of talent when it comes to this team. And man, if if by any chance we're able to get a ticket, that's another crazy thing. Good luck getting a ticket this year. You know, I'm going to try to go up and catch a game, best I can. But I'll tell you what, that's going to be one of the hardest tickets.
0: Game tomorrow night.
1: Yeah, I mean it might be a sellout. I don't you don't you don't know. I mean, that's the thing. It's like yeah. it's going to be crazy to see like the turnout and and how crazy it is to how much these tickets are going to go for, especially like Kentucky. There ain't no way you're getting into that game. I mean, it's just Oh no. No, no way. I mean, they'll be selling. They'll be taking tickets at Herman's to go get a glimpse of uh, (laughs) Coach Cal (laughs) giving him crap. So
0: uh, you're gonna have to put another section of seats, kind of like the uh, dome at Syracuse. Yep. (laughs) Just to get your uh, get fifty thousand people in them seats so you can watch a game. I mean, that may be the expansion. Forget about making Bud Walton to a multi-purpose arena. You're gonna have to build another level to contain the. Uh, excited oh, of uh, fans. Like, that's just – that's what's crazy. Or, <laughs> Well, yeah, they were talking moving about moving the up. possibly
1: making more suites and less seats and stuff, yeah. and I think Alabama did that with their football stadium, but I'll tell you what, they they might be rethinking that, you know, taking the draw – you know, this thing back to the drawing yeah. board and seeing what happens because, you know, if this team gets rolling and especially after next year or after this year, they keep on getting the recruiting classes in and they still get these – they might want to rethink on how many people they, uh, yeah. how many seats they take away because I mean that's, in all reality, that's how why Bud Walton was even built in the first place because Bud Walton could get a seat in Bud uh, Barnhill, you know. No. <laughs> Frank Barrels gave up his seat and that's the legend of Bud Walton Arena.
0: Yeah, like it was made like from, from the stories that I've heard uh, the. The floor, the the court of the uh, floor was built first, and then they built around the floor, yep. like because they wanted every, they wanted to make sure you had the best seat possible. And there's not a bad seat in Bud Walton. No, sat in the upper section, lower section. I've uh, sat in the corner of the uh, lower bowl. There's not a bad seat in Bud Walton Arena, no. and yeah. and it's it like that's that's the beauty of of college basketball in Arkansas is because. Think any other team besides maybe Kentucky, Syracuse, and and North Carolina can hold 20, 20 something thousand folks?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I have to take a look. Every, it, every night, it. every yeah. night. Oh well, North Carolina's got a big arena too. Um, yeah. But I mean, now I guarantee it. Now they'll get in there. But you look at Duke; they'll never do anything to you know the, no. their their arena. I mean, that's just one of the most prestigious arenas in the country, Rupp Arena. You know, you Fog Allen, you look at these arenas, and I'll tell you what, even um, – is it gallagher Iba? Is that the Oklahoma State one?
0: Yeah, uh, Gallagher-Iva, yeah. You know, it's yeah, just
1: yeah. those arenas that have that aura to them. I mean, and they have that – and I think Oklahoma State's one of the most underrated arenas because how it, they have the, sta- the fans right there sitting on top of you. Um, I don't know if you've ever played much basketball up where I live, but Subiaco Academy – they had an arena like that where the bleachers were over you. And it just gave you oh. this feel of the fans looking down on you, and it just it had this crazy feel to it. It was like an older, old school where the floor was way down low and then there was a huge brick wall up both sides and then the bleachers were above you. It, it was it, yeah. It's one of the hardest gyms I've ever played in.
0: Yeah, Junction City and in, in Huddinge. I was a small school kid growing up in in Union County, Arkansas, and there was this place in, in Junction City you, it was called Dual State Tournament. So you got both of the best teams from Louisiana and Arkansas to come in and I tell you what that place was packed. I played in one dual state tournament and that was that was probably one of the craziest environments I've ever played a basketball game in and it was a it, you had seats all the way around you. And now they, they tore that down. I mean, yeah, I was obviously old, but uh, <laughs> yeah. they tore it down and made it a multi-purpose gym. And, but there was, I always had memories of playing at, at Georgia City. And then Huddig was the same way before they consolidated with Strong. Uh, uh, Huddig had a dome. It was really cool, a really cool arena to play in. Uh, and I remember getting beat 31-0 to 0 <laughs> in junior high in that arena. Oh, wow. Yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, But everybody now is going to the big arenas now. Played there. Yeah, but that was a cool it, you could probably fit 5 or 6,000 people in in the Hudding's gym and then probably Dang. maybe 10,000 people in in Junction City. I mean, at Dual State, that place was the was the place to be and I hate that it's torn down now, but that was a really cool place.
1: That's crazy. Well, um I guess um uh, we're wrapping up on the show, but before we go, um we're announced tomorrow. We will have Coach Courtney Dyfel on the weekly women's sports report. She'll be joining us tomorrow at six p.m. where We're going to be doing episode three. Uh, big shout out to the fans. We've been doing really, really well on the views and the likes and the comments of of the show. It's been doing very well. Um, so very excited to talk to Coach Dyfel, but. Um, Before we go um, I really want to do a big shout out To Ozark and Elkins I got to experience one of the coolest Things ever Um, You know my son has autism And he's been the equipment manager all year long For uh, Ozark And his teammates went to the coach Before the uh, beginning of the year And wanted him to be able To suit up and and Play in a game And they were going to try to get it done And they were kind of you know Trying to see which game to do it. And Elkins was their last home game. And a former guest of the show, Drew Morgan, who former Razorback is one of the assistant coaches up there. And just the response, um, allowing this to happen, um, I was a nervous wreck the whole game because I knew it was going to happen. But Elkins scored with like 15 seconds left and the clock's winding down. So I'm like, is this going to happen? Is this going to go? And, but, I tell you what, just the amount of kids on Elkin's side that was cheering along with it, the fans. I mean, one of the greatest experiences of my son's life. Being he, he's been talking about it nonstop. So I just want to take this moment to really thank the school districts of Ozark, school district of Elkins, for as a parent, um, you know, being able to experience this because. We sometimes don't have that chance to get to enjoy those things that you know other kids would get to. So, so the ones that are out there that get to watch their kids every Friday night, every Thursday night, Monday night, Thursday night playing basketball and football and their sports all the time. I mean, we really take those moments for granted because you know it might be the only time I ever get to see him put on that jersey and you know do that. So. Again, thank you um, big time. I'm going to put it on social media, and I'll tell you what, it's blown up like a wildfire. So everybody who's sent me messages, sent me DMs, just said what it means to them because that's what it's about, you know, touching other people's lives and, and, and really touching those parents that have kids with special needs. I mean, it, that that's what you, you see the Special Olympics banner that I, I, I hang in my, my office, and, and the the special Olympics silver medal, you know, I, I take all that stuff seriously. So again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Cause that, that is a, a night I will n- never forget.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I just do want to invite everybody uh, to like, and subscribe to our show. Man Porter, that is a heartwarming <laughs> story. And I don't. I, I'm I'm lost, and I, I'm yeah. teary eyed. I uh,
1: yeah. I, I can't. I, I couldn't look I, in the camera.
0: <laughs> I ever, I've never. I haven't known anybody to have like this opportunity, and to know that your son was able to have this opportunity is quite special. Um, and it's 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 cool because it kind of reminds me of the time that uh, my little sister who has Down syndrome was voted on the uh, homecoming court, mm-hmm. and uh, and man, uh, she it was really special being able to see that um, and and the whole school voted for. Like that was, that was the cool thing. Her senior year was able to go out there and and do that. And it made, it made news and stuff too. And and people were just talking about it for weeks. And that's the cool thing is being able to see the love uh, that is, that is shown to these kids that, that aren't like, that aren't given the attention that they absolutely deserve or or the love they absolutely deserve. And, and being able to see this, the, the humbleness of of the hearts of people to go out there and say, this is what's going to happen tonight. We're going to let it, we're going to, we're going to make it happen. And, and being able, when you sent me that video, I didn't know what you were sending me, but then I heard (laughs) uh, Gavin's name over the PA announcer and, and, and that was cool. Uh, uh, shout out to Elkins and, and, and uh, Ozark uh, That was that was awesome You know you
1: see the videos of other kids Like the kid at Lake Hamilton You know you've seen the kids like the yeah. In Pennsylvania a long time ago The kid had autism and he was the equipment manager And then scored 21 points Ended up getting an ESPY award over it But I'm telling you when, it, when it's personal And you're there witnessing it I mean it, it hits you You know there's so many emotions You know and You know like I can't physically even look into the camera right now knowing we're live because of how it gets me. I mean, that's just one of them things that no matter what, that's my trigger, that's my dude, and just giving him the biggest hug and just how he was so excited after the game. I mean, it's one of them things that, you know, you cherish as a parent, and I'll never forget, man. Like I said, I just – I can't thank everybody enough, and – I just there was two kids in general I can't even remember their names but I mean they were just they were hopping right along with the Ozark team for Elkins and just patting him on the back. I mean that's what the camaraderie when it comes to sportsmanship and that I think that's the biggest thing that I take away from it is as as much as the Ozark fans was into it. I mean the Elkins fan base, the players and coaches were just as ecstatic. I even had the, one of the refs that was refing the game, sit there and say that, you know, that was the only time he's ever had to call play with tears rolling down his face, you know? And, you know, Drew Morgan was like, Hey man, I had a tear in my, you know, the people who got that knew nothing about the story knew nothing about him got moved by it. So, I mean, that's the thing that yeah. I really will always take away from it.
0: Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> we the yeah. show. Up right <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 But anyways, yeah. so I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Make, make sure you go and like and subscribe to our podcast on Apple and uh, YouTube and and uh, several other places. You can catch us on one hundred three 106.7, the uh, buzz, each Monday morning. Uh, just thank you all fans for uh, being with us and stay one. And uh, let's call those hogs this weekend victory.
1: That's right. And that will do it for another episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. Again, catch us tomorrow night on the Weekly Women's Sports Report as we have the softball coach, Courtney Diefel. That will do it. Catch you tomorrow.